0: welcome to the abbot loop community church podcast enjoy this message from rick benjamin yes we're in this series about the book of romans and that's the title they assign me and that's okay because those are all part of this passage today and i gave another title which is this one the bad news before the good news and you'll see what that's all about today Josh started us off last month, first part of Romans chapter 1, the power of the gospel, kind of an introduction. Mark Drake did that long part of Romans chapter 1, difficult, serious, challenging passage about sin and what it does to the human race. Last week again, Pastor Josh was here, the first part of chapter 2, and I'm picking up the middle of that chapter, so we're going to read that now. Romans 2, verse 17, this is the New International Version. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew... If you really rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior, because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against feeling, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically... And yet obeys the law, will condemn you, who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Amen. Amen. All this year, 2017, Abba had an overarching theme of power, being empowered by the power of God. We did a series about God's power tools, the gifts of the powerful Holy Spirit. We did a series about miracles, God's demonstrations of his power. We even did a series about women being empowered as leaders and ministers in the church. Now, the book of Romans is about power too, a different kind of power. The power of God for salvation. We have a slide for that. It's the key verse, Romans chapter 1. Let's read it. We had it. There it is. It says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The power of the gospel. I'll say more about that today. Okay, we've been using these flashcards. Do we have the flashcards? Go back to that. For these key words and concepts in Romans, even in the words we read today. God's wrath is God's holy anger towards sin, not against people. He loves people, but he hates sin. Second is the gospel. We just use that word. It means the good news. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The good news of salvation by faith in Jesus and what he has done. Three, grace is the power of God working in and through you. The strength of God, like the big bicep there. God's grace is all what's going on in the book of Romans. Law, we read about that many times. The set of rules God gave to the Jews through Moses back on Mount Sinai. And then we have number five, sin. Choosing to disobey God's resulting in separation from relationship With him. I'll mention this verse later. Sin is falling short. That's why we have the target, the bullseye, and the arrow is falling short, missing the mark. The gospel is the good news. But someone has said before you can appreciate the good news, you have to appreciate the bad news. Apparently, Paul believed that too because Romans 1, 2, and 3 is a lot of bad news. And Romans 1 and Romans 3 are hard. And they assigned those two to Mark, Drake, and me. (laughs) So today, my message is mostly the bad news. Why is it important to understand the bad news before you can appreciate the good news? I'll show you a simple way. A life jacket, a flotation device. If I said to Josh, hey, Josh, you want a life jacket? He might say, "Okay, Rick. I'll throw it in my garage on top of the pile of other life jackets I already have, you know. Wouldn't be such good news. But situation is different. And Josh and I are in a boat, and the boat is sinking, and we're going down. And if I say to Josh, hey, Josh, you want a life jacket? He'll say, yeah, give me that thing. (laughs) Because it looks totally different. The bad news is we're sinking. The good news is, how about a life jacket? To say it more directly, to appreciate salvation, you have to know what you were saved from. How many of you recall what you got saved from? How many recall life before Jesus? Josh is like that. When he's up here, he's sharing with us about his life before Jesus and how he got saved. It's always great. I love that when he does that, don't you? Praise God. Maybe you appreciate salvation because you remember what you got saved from. But some of us have a different story, people like me. I was almost born saved. Nobody is born saved. But I became a Christian very young, age three, four, five, six, somewhere in there. Only God knows. I cannot remember life before Jesus. So I grew up in a way not knowing what I got saved from. Anybody else like me? You want to raise your hand to that one? Sure. And so it's easy for people like me who grew up in church to sort of take it all for granted and just kind of think I was born saved, and maybe I'm better than other people. But God, he's faithful. He has his ways to communicate even to us who we really are, who we would have been without him, without his grace. Sure, he has ways to let you know, and oh, Rick, you've got a sin nature too. It's in there, just like everyone else. And also, he lets you know by other people who come into your life, and they tell their story, and they tell you what they came from, and you appreciate it more. A long time ago, I put my story into a little brochure. They called it a testimony. It's your whole life and just a few pages with some pictures. So you can hand to people and tell them what God's done in your life. Well, mine was a challenge. Like I said, I didn't have a real before and after story. I call my testimony growing up with God in the great land. Because I'm an Alaskan. I was born here. And this tells how my grandparents came in 1946 and how I grew up in this great place I said, growing up in the great land, I'm thankful to know the one who made it all. Amen. But also, I put this in my story. God saved me from a life of alcohol and drug abuse and violence and divorce and racism and poverty. None of these things ever happened to me because I got saved and I grew up in the presence of God. Amen. I'm thankful, but I'm not better. Because all those things happen to most people in this world. And all those things happen to people that I know and love today. And they share with me about that. And I know God saved me from those things because they never happened to me. So I appreciate the bad news and I appreciate the good news all the more. In Romans, it's all the bad news first. And the bad news is sin. That's the message today. Our enemy is sin. The bad news about God's wrath against sin. About the terrible terrible devastation and destruction of sin on humanity. That's back in chapter 1. Do you know he even teaches that sin has affected the universe around us? That comes later in chapter 8. That because of sin, the whole universe is now corrupt, subject to decay and groaning like it's in pain. This universe is not the way God originally made it. It's broken. It's changed because of sin. It's why bears come out and kill baby moose in the spring in Anchorage, Alaska. It's why it's 20 below zero in the wintertime around here. It's why there's hurricanes and tornadoes and tidal waves and earthquakes that kill people. That's not what God planned. You see, sin explains the human condition and explains the creation creation condition. Made by God, beautiful and perfect, but now broken because of sin. That's true of the creation and true of you and me. Somebody said sin is the only doctrine of theology proven by human history over and over and over again sin is the reason there's war and poverty and racism and abuse and all those terrible things sin is the problem sin is the bad news and it's very very bad he talked about being jews and gentiles someone said there's two kinds of people people that put people into two categories and people that don't that was a joke (laughs) there are two kinds of people today jews and gentiles If you're a Jewish person by ancestry, by history, by genealogy, everybody else is a Gentile. Okay, simple show of hands. How many here today are Gentiles? Look around, just about all of us. Now, I might be a Jewish person. We don't know. My ancestry goes back to Wales, Scotland, Ireland. But there are many Israelites up in the great great United Kingdom, it's true. My last name is Benjamin. Benjamin. So some of my Jewish friends, I have a rabbi who says to me, oh, yeah, Rick, you're one of us, for sure. (laughs) I wouldn't mind. I should find out. Do one of those genealogy websites and figure it out once and for all. But with that in mind, I'm going to raise my hand. How many here are Jewish people? By background, ancestry, a couple. Thanks for raising your hand. Now, did you see what just happened? 99% of us said we're Gentiles. In the first century... 2,000 years ago, if I asked that same question in the church, exactly the opposite. 99% of all the believers were Jewish people. In fact, those first Jewish Christians could hardly believe us Gentiles could get saved. When it began to happen, it blew their minds. What? Why was that? Because Jewish people thought they were better. And that's what's going on in Romans chapter 2. Why'd they think they were better? Because of the law, it said so again and again, you boast in the law, he said. God gave them that law, and they said, we're the ones who have the law, and all the rest of you don't. And so that makes us better. No wonder God gave it to us. He loves us more. We're the chosen people. They made this mistake right here, number two. They thought having the law was the same thing as doing it. You know, when God gives you knowledge, revelation, information, information, There's a deception that can happen. You think, because I know it, that means I'm living it. It doesn't mean that, does it? No. They judged other people who didn't have the law. All those pagans out there. All those lawless, barbarian, inferior Gentiles out there. So they were full of pride. They thought they were better. And there was one more thing. Circumcision. Sure. The first act of obedience in a Jewish person's life Circumcision went way back to Abraham, you might say the first Jew, and how God told him to circumcise his sons, and he did. And then it became part of the law, the law of Moses. So on the eighth day of every little Jewish baby boy's life, circumcision. And that was just act number one in an endless, impossible lifetime of thousands of acts of obedience to that law. Look at the law. Diet, what you could eat and not eat, the whole kosher law thing. Sabbath and about that special day. All the feasts of Israel and all the events in the calendar. Sacrifices every day, day after day, to cover over sin. The civil laws, the sexual laws, all broken out in great detail. There were laws about skin diseases, laws about mildew. There's over 600 laws in the Bible. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they were faced with obeying that law. And nobody ever did it. Because nobody ever could except for one person. You know who he is, and they killed him. Otherwise, people would try to obey the law, starting with circumcision, and they would all fall short, meaning they're all lawbreakers. Paul said that here. James said it later. You couldn't do it. It couldn't be done. And the word circumcised just became another word for being a Jewish person. And people who are uncircumcised, that was a way to put them down. Oh, yeah, those filthy uncircumcised Gentiles out there. Another reason they thought they were better. The Jews forgot something very important, a powerful, simple principle. Jesus said it in these words, Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Much was given to them, and they thought that made them better. It only meant they're more accountable, and more is required. And yes, this sounds familiar, because we Christians do the same thing. We think we're better. Because we have the gospel, because we have the Bible, because we know Jesus. And those people out in the world, those sinners out there, they're all evil and out to get you. And we've forgotten the same thing they forgot. We're not better than them. We forgot that to whom much is given, much is required. Almost every time I come to church, I think about that. We're going to hear one more message, more of the Bible, more of the truth, only making us more accountable for what we've been given. We should get up and leave right now and just go do what we've already heard. We're in way over our heads, folks. And doesn't make us better. It makes us humble and thankful. He says in Romans 2, it doesn't matter what you know. What matters is your heart and what you actually do. Now, this is kind of by the way. Romans 1 and 2 answers a very important question. The question is up there, what happens, what about people who never heard the gospel or the Bible? You ever wonder about that question? They never heard about Jesus. They never saw a Bible. What happened to those people? Maybe somebody has asked you that question. You Christians, you say you have the way. What about people who never hear your way? The answer is in the Bible, in Romans 1 and 2 and 3. In Romans chapter 1, he said, everybody has all the information they all need to know everything about the invisible God through creation. Mark called creation the book of nature. We live in Alaska, this beautiful place. My wife and I are on the boardwalk at Parter's Marsh. There's those salmon. They made it all the way back to the place they were born. They're red. They fulfilled their destiny. How did they get back there? They'll never be able to explain it. The only answer is God, who for thousands of years has brought all those salmon back to Alaska in the exact places they were born to keep the cycle going on forever. What does that say about God? His love, his power, his wisdom, his creativity. Just one example. So Romans 1 says, men are without excuse. It's all around them every day. Just look outside. You'll see it. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist said. And then Romans 2 said, God put something inside every person called the human conscience, that inner sense of right and wrong. Right. And nobody ever does what's right. What he's saying in these chapters is the person who never heard the gospel or the Bible, God's always been trying to reveal himself to all of them all the time. It's called general revelation. And they're accountable too. We have received more than them, yeah, just making us more accountable. But the bad news is nobody has responded to these things that God has given them. And they've all fallen short because of sin. Keep listening. Now we're going to read Romans chapter 3 the first part. Here we go. What advantage then is there in being a Jew? What value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. As it is written, you'll be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly what shall we say that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us I'm using a human argument certainly not if that were so how could God judge the world someone might argue if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory why am I still condemned as a sinner why not say as some slanderously claim we say let us do evil the good may result their condemnation is just I'm going to interrupt the reading right there and talk about that. God is faithful, and he's always faithful. Mostly we like that when he keeps his promises, when he blesses us, when he shows us his goodness. But he's also faithful when we're not. And that isn't always so good for us. That's right. He's always faithful. He's always faithful to forgive us. He is. His grace is always faithful. And so some people say, like we read, Well, if God always forgives me when I sin, and that shows his grace, maybe I'll just keep on sinning and give God more chances to show his grace. And he said, some people think that I, Paul, am teaching that. He wasn't. That heresy has been around. It's frankly just an excuse to keep on sinning. It's using the glorious, beautiful truth of grace as a license to sin. And that heresy is around today, by the way. And some people say, when you teach grace, you're saying it's okay to sin. No one here is saying that, never. Like he said. Here's the truth. If you keep on sinning after hearing about God's grace, you don't get it. You haven't understood what grace really is, what this great gift means, what Jesus did to buy it for you and me. No, on the other hand, here's the truth. Grace means the desire to stop sinning and the power to stop sinning. Hallelujah. Got to keep reading. Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. There's the word power again. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Are you getting this? Not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's say the benediction and go home. There's more. Now we know whatever the law says. It says to those who are under the law, so every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. What he did in that long passage is took a bunch of Old Testament verses from the Psalms and the prophets if your Bible has footnotes, you can see down there where you got them, Ecclesiastes. And he kind of wove them all together into this horrible patchwork quilt of sin, sin, sin. And it's you and me. That's who he's talking about. We call it universal sin. And he said it so many ways, all two times, no one, no one, no one, no one. Not even one, not even one, all together. And the most famous one comes up in a couple verses, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's universal. It's awful. It's overwhelming. It's in all of us. And the way it works is we all sin because we're sinners. We're born that way. Little cute baby, what a blessing from God. You can see the image of God in the child. Little tiny newborn baby. Just wait. <laughs> Something else comes out. So precious, so innocent, one day looks up and says, no. Where does she get that? Not from you, well, kind of. You didn't teach her that. It's in her. Yeah, James Dobson said, in children, sin is like teeth. Just wait. It grows out of them. Everyone, the kids who grew up in my house, my precious grandson, sure enough, it comes out of them. Sin. It's all born in us. It comes out of us, and that's why we do sin and do those things that fall short and miss the glory of God. In Romans 2 and 3, Paul is teaching that Jews are just as lost and just as sinful as anybody else. Jews are not more saved than Gentiles. No, they're not. There's no advantage, he said not because of the law or any other reason. If anything, Jews are more accountable because they've been given more from God. In Romans, Paul teaches that Jews and Gentiles alike all stand in the same desperate need of salvation from sin by God's grace. One of my mentors, Bible teacher, Kevin John Connor, he always says, it's grace, not race. You don't get saved because of your ancestry, Jew or Gentile. Jews need Jesus Japanese folks need Jesus. People from Samoa need Jesus. Native Alaskans need Jesus. All of us come the same way, through the same one, by God's grace. Amen. So the bad news is very bad. The bad news is sin. And sin destroys everything. It wrecks and corrupts creation. It messes up human character. Every one of us is affected, infected. It breaks relationships destroys friendships, marriages, parenting, families. Don't you hate it? You get mad sometimes when you see sin just tear people apart. And the things they choose just tear their own lives apart. It's awful. And especially most of all, the most important relationship, the one with a holy God who loves us in spite of all of this. Sin is bad news. And this is good for us to hear I don't enjoy giving this message today, but it's in the Bible. It's part of the gospel. It's the bad news before the good news. Yeah, maybe it is good for us to hear, to appreciate what we got saved from and how awful and terrible it was. The good news begins the very next verse, Romans 3.21. Look at your Bible. It says, but now. I'm so tempted to keep on reading. But you got to come back next Sunday morning and hear the good news. Lee Sloan will be here teaching from that verse and going forward. It'll be great. But is it okay if I just say one thing about the good news? I don't want to end here. Go back to that verse, Romans 3, verse 9. It said, All people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. And it's very bad. And sin is very powerful. But here's the good news. I'm going to say it today. Yes, I am. You can't stop me. The gospel and God's grace and Jesus is more powerful, even more powerful than the great power of sin. This ancient, beloved Bible story from 3,000 years ago, every day this giant would come out. He was a killing machine. He was terrifying, intimidating. Every day come out, none of you can challenge me. I'll destroy any of you. You're nothing in front of me. And we were over on the sidelines, just terrified. Every day, just beats us down. We can't overcome this terrible enemy. We're all so weak. We're nothing. We live that way. And then here comes somebody somebody came in who's that a champion a hero the son of david and he goes out and he attacks that giant on behalf of us all and he took him down and he killed him he was greater and then it's like we all wake up and go hey i think we just won (laughs) i think we can do something now and he changed everything It's Jesus. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful? Don't you love him? We sing a song around here. What a beautiful name, right? And the song says, my sin was great. My hands up. How about you? But your love was greater. And then it says, death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. You are raised to life again. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above every name. Jesus. Amen. One more story and then I'll be done. It's about the bad news and the good news with a twist. Listen. So you go to the doctor. Say, doctor, what'd you find out? Did the test, did all the reports. What's the news? doctor says, got bad news. It's real bad. And I got good news. It's real good. First, the bad news. Because the bad news comes before the good news. The bad news is, you have a disease. And it's bad. Turns out you were born with it, whether you knew it or not. You were infected. This disease is terminal. It is killing you. It will kill you. You kind of recover from that. Wow. That is bad news. That's the worst news. I'm going to die. The doctor said, but there's a good news, and it's very good. We have a cure. There's a cure for what is killing you. And here's some more good news. It's free and accessible. I can give it to you today. And if you take this cure, it's 100% effective. You'll be cured. You will not die. And there's more. There's only one cure. Are you going to stop and say, wait, what? There's only one cure? I'm not sure I like that I'm an American I like choices options I mean thanks doc but can I get a second opinion and kind of go shopping around for more different cures I'd like a menu of cu- cures to choose from how dare you say there's only one cure how very judgmental of you doctor is anybody going to do that If the doctor says, you're dying, there is a cure, it's free, it's available right now. Are you going to say, give me some more? No, you're going to say, give it to me right now. You're not going to complain, there's only one. You're going to say, thank God, there's a cure. That's all I care about right now. There's a disease. It's sin. It's deadly. It's killing everyone. There's a cure. His name is Jesus. There's only one. Praise God. How many cures do we need? Only one. That's enough. Most of us here have taken the cure, put on the life preserver, accepted our champion, Jesus. And maybe today we're a little bit even more thankful for the good news because the bad news is still very bad. But some of you haven't even taken the cure yet. You haven't put the life preserver on yet. What are you waiting for? There's a cure. Sin is killing you, destroying your life and your family. Come to Jesus today. It's all paid for. It's all here for you. It's free. It's a gift. Come and receive Jesus. Experience the power. You don't believe this, but his power is greater than the power of sin you've been fighting with by yourself your whole life. Keeping the law could never do it. Religion could never do it. All this stuff can never do it. You need him to come and do it in you and through you by his power, by his grace. There'll be a chance today to come and receive him and receive his amazing grace. Let's think about that now. Amazing grace, how sweet. Yeah. please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.